0: good morning morning. forever jesus is on the throne and he has the victory and we get to share in it welcome everyone welcome online viewers and welcome uh, i see some new faces it's great so you get a chance turn around to say hello to someone we got the victory Praise the Lord. I love, I love Sundays. So my, my name is uh, Dennis Sandberg. I'm one of the blessed elders here at RLC. Uh, be praying for Pastor Jeff and Deb and the family as they uh, enjoy the remaining days of their vacation, well-deserved vacation. Um, you know, preparing for a message, I have a new appreciation for what Pastor Jeff does. I really do. He's a blessed man, great man. So I've been married uh, 32 years to my wife, Donna, and her and I, we oversee our life care ministry, which starts in 10 days. So get plugged in, get involved. God is on the move. So if everybody could bow their heads. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I believe and trust God to allow everyone listening today to hear some nuggets of truth that will impact their life and move them towards God and a life he desires for each of us to walk into. That is life and life more abundantly. Create a fire in each of us so that we can desire more of you, more of your word. We thank you in advance for directing our steps and leading us in the way that we should go. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Amen. You know, about a year ago, um, I started with a new employer that is involved with the pizza industry. And, And it's an interesting transition for me um, I get the chance to connect with a lot of different pizza owners that uh, are very passionate about what they do. But recently, I was real impressed. I, I, I was at one of my accounts, and I'm, I'm listening to this this girl take an order on the phone for pizza. Everybody loves pizza. And she's so good at how she's repeating what the customer orders. The customer wanted extra pepperoni and extra sausage and extra cheese, and and it, it it literally like stirred in my heart that we kind of pray that way to God. We, you know, I start praying to God, and I says, gee, can you throw on some extra love? How about some extra peace, extra self-control, all the fruits of the Spirit? We, we, all, we all would like a little extra, um, but... You know, if, if we look at it, do we really need the extra? Okay? As Christians, doesn't, doesn't God load us with benefits each and every day? Don't we have more than enough? You know, I, I, I began to think about the manna that God gave the Israelites in the wilderness and how it was a one-day supply. And I was, I'd always wonder why God didn't send a little extra or, you know, how about giving it a little extra shelf life? Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure that went by some of the people there, but you know, being in the, in the food service business for 37 years, I, I, I do realize that man puts shelf life extenders in God's natural food that is particularly not healthy for you. So We need to be wise and do things God's way and obey his word instead of listening or approving the extra things that man likes to put in there. I was uh, reading in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 32, where it says, Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it or take away from it. You know, taking away from God's commands is one of the ways that we try to avoid those commands. The Bible in 2 Timothy says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. You know, we, we shouldn't study God's word to puff up our knowledge so that we can prepare to win an argument. We should study God's word to know how to do God's will here on earth and live righteously. If we add to what God has already put in, the, the, the word can get religious and 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 have unnecessary requirements. You know, st- strangely enough, if we if we were to add to one of God's commands, we're actually subtracting another command. I'll give you an example. The Pharisees in Jesus' day added restrictions on keeping the Sabbath day. But in trying to do that, they were they were keeping Jesus from healing someone on the Sabbath day. So weren't they breaking the commandments of that Jesus said to love your neighbors yourself? Shouldn't it make sense that Jesus could heal on the Sabbath day if somebody was hurting? You know, the world has gotten a lot more complicated lately. We're well into 2021, but I feel like a lot of what has happened in 2021 is kind of a continuation or reaction to what transpired in 2020. You know, the world is in turmoil. The, you know, We're still dealing with the virus. I think we're still reeling from a contentious election we got protests, we got riots, we got chaos everywhere we look. And I see Christians running all around in all kinds of directions, not sure what to do, afraid, distracted, unsure. And yet I wonder if they're too often busy to ask God for direction and listen to his still small voice. I feel like many others when I pray to God, asking, God, can you send me some extra peace, please? And in the book of Philippians, we see Paul was in prison at the time. And he was writing encouraging words. And believe it or not, Paul was awaiting potential execution. And his outside world was in turmoil, but inside... Of Paul's spirit was full of peace and I just want to read in Philippians 4 it's a very familiar passage but there's a lot to it and in verse 6 it says do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding Will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We see here that Paul is telling us not to be anxious about anything. Now, isn't it amazing that Paul can say, "Don't be anxious about anything," when he's sitting there awaiting to get executed? I get anxiety in me just sitting in a dentist waiting room while waiting for a cavity. Okay. And Paul, I love Paul. So, you know, we all have worries and anxieties about our job, our finances, our loved ones, or what's going on in the world. You know, think about Paul awaiting this execution. He was in a battle. He needed to overcome fear. Fear is one of the main tools that the enemy uses. Yet the Bible says God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. God wants to bring us peace with his still small voice, still waters, and he wants us to go to green pastures. God desires extra peace in our life. The enemy wants to grip us so that we're paralyzed from what God wants us to be doing. You know, I was I was looking up online what triggers our body in regards to fear, and it led me to a small almond-shaped portion of our brain called the uh, amygdala, which lies below the pituitary gland. And what the amygdala does, it functions to alert you when someone or something is threatening you or your environment. It sends nerve pulses to your brain to release adrenaline to get you to react whatever is threatening you. And just... So you know what happens when you're threatened and this gets activated is your heart beats faster, you breathe faster, your blood pressure increases and the amount of sugar in your blood increases also which increases available uh, uh, amount of adrenaline that, that, that flows into you. You know fear is a, is an immediate response to danger in your environment. Um, I, w- I was thinking about this and a couple years ago, I had, a, I had a job as a manager, and one of my areas of responsibility was up in, in the Watertown-Clayton area. And you know, we have we have pretty good-sized winter storms here in Central New York. But if, if anyone from the north understands it, right across, across the Great Lakes, there's a there's a snow band that hits. You know, especially like Sandy Creek and Adams. You you haven't experienced snow until you've been through that. And and I can remember um, watching the news the night before. I had to come up there to see one of my employees, and and you, you see the weather reports. And I'm thinking to myself, Yeah, I better not go through Tug Hill. That's going to be you know crazy. And so I go to Syracuse, and I'm I'm heading up 81, and I'm driving, and and there's these warning signs, you know, snow up ahead, danger. Be and I can literally feel my palms starting to sweat. It's like the the amygdala started, and it and 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 and. I just was like, "Oh Lord, I, what am I driving into?" I mean, you, you almost want to make a U-turn, and and no, no, I, I'm trusting God. So, so what what happens is you, you 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 get up to around Pulaski, Adams, things like that, and you can be so nervous, and all of a sudden, what basically happens, even though you have a massive snowstorm coming, you have these anointed plow drivers that literally go back and forth up eighty-one, and you up you end up following a plow driver for about at 25 miles an hour for about a 10-mile band. It's like you get to the promised land when you get to Watertown because it's clear. But, but God was reminding me of how, how, you know, I can get so worked up about something like that, and yet his grace was ready for me with this plow driver to lead me through the circumstances. And God does that in our lives. We, we get all worked up about something, and God has grace waiting for us and we just have to trust a minute. But anxiety is a persistent feeling of being in risk. You know, when anxiety persists in the absence of danger, it becomes symptoms of an anxiety disorder. You know, we think that we think that peace is the absence of anxious thoughts, but it really isn't. Peace is the presence of Christ himself. Peace is knowing that God is in control. And I just want to get back to uh, Philippians 4 because one of Paul's advice here in this verse that we read earlier was to turn our worries into prayer. Whenever we start to worry, I, I, I highly recommend it's a good time to start praying. And if and if something's on your mind that, that starts to create anxiousness in your life, cast that care to Jesus. But let me talk to you a little bit more about prayer. You know, what, what often happens when we're in strife, we, we throw up our hands and say, all we can do is pray. And I, I, I could just imagine God up in heaven saying, Really, that I'm the one that parts the seas and raises the dead and takes down Jericho walls and 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 you're making this prayer thing that light. I mean, prayer is powerful, and as believers, we need to recognize that prayer should not be our last resort of defense. Okay, I, I I'm a real big football fan i know my brother dave out there is a a football fan also and 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 this time of year we we see teams that that have the lead in the fourth quarter and they implement this defense called prevent defense and it basically has the defense not allow a long pass but it allows teams that are good clock management ones to just throw the short passes and run down the field and a lot of times they win the game. It's it's. I don't think it's a good strategy. And, and often, you know, it doesn't work well in football, but it, I'll say this, it probably doesn't work that well in praying. Prayer should be our first action of offense. We need to come boldly to the throne of grace with confidence, knowing that he's a good God. And... You know, it's in the Bible, in the book of James, it says, we have not because we ask not. In essence, we haven't prayed. And if we pray about it, God's working on it. And, and, and I found this awesome scripture to, to verify this promise, by the way. It's found in Isaiah 65, verse 24. It says, it shall come to pass... That before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. You know, prayer is about inviting God to get involved with our requests. And I just want to give you a a quick example of how this works in the natural. Um, I'm blessed and I have five grandchildren that I love very much. And on, my, on the screen here is, is one of my granddaughters, Kayla, who I love that looks just like Donna. And that's my youngest grandson. His name is Zephyr. And Kayla knows exactly how much I love her. I've, I've spent a good amount of time with her. But she, she's actually starting to get good on the iPhone now. So now Kayla, in the month of December, will send Papa a text. It looks a little bit like this, if we get to the next screen. And so she sends me a text message with the pictures of the items that she would like for Christmas. Now, now, now Kayla loves her chinchilla, and she desired a chinchilla necklace. So Kayla's specific positive response, combined with my positive thoughts to bless her, creates a desire to respond to her request. You know, I, I trust me, she got the necklace. And don't you think that God wants to answer your sincere faith, faith-based prayer in the same way? It says in Matthew 7, verse 11, in the Passion Translation, if you, imperfect as you are, Know how to lovingly take care of your children and give them what's best. How much more is your heavenly father give wonderful gifts to those that ask him? You know, I I don't know if you ever thought about prayer this way, but it goes hand in hand. And let me give you a little word picture of how that works. Now, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the father. He's the right hand. He's the right hand of victory, by the way. And the left hand represents the church, the bride of Christ. And when we pray for solutions in God's word with his promises as a church, we are bringing positive thoughts and thankfulness to God in agreement. And when we do that, the two come together together. And the grace of God begins to flow. And that's what prayer is all about. It's inviting God to get involved, getting in an agreement, and allowing his grace to take place. I actually believe that prayer helps to renew our mind and give us a peace. I mean, I I, I can tell you there's there's times that I've had a, uh, a rough day and, 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 and I don't feel like coming to our monthly prayer meeting here at church or, you know, I didn't want to come to Life Care because it was a busy day at the office. And I can tell you one thing that when, when I push myself to calm and we start joining together and we pray, there's a sense of calmness that always comes my way after praying. And that's one of the nice things about when we get together and we pray as, as, as life care or church, you're, you're going you're gonna to sense a peace when you leave. And that peace passes all understanding. And one thing that we need to do is stay away from sinful, negative thoughts. I want to read in Romans chapter 8. Verses 5 and 6, it says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, and, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Notice the last word there. That's extra peace. Peace. And we need to allow Holy Spirit to grab the sinful negative thoughts and replace it with God thoughts and promises. Um, I just wanted to show you one thing that we, we do at Life Care is we have this thing called a prayer box. And we encourage people to come if they have unsaved loved ones to uh, write their name down and and, and and cast your cares, put them in the box. We're we're praying and believing for more salvations than ever this year. And we're pe- putting people's names in here and we're praying for them at the end of life care. And I just encourage you to, to, to come prepared to do that. But, you know, we, we can have a, a prayer box like this symbolize God, right? And, you know, one of the things with prayer, we, we, We'll, we'll write down our prayer requests. And we might have a prayer request like this. Saying, Lord, please pay off my credit bill off by next week. And we drop in the box. And we sit here and wait. The mailman comes. I gotta. I, let's rush to the mail. We're, we're waiting for somebody to knock on the door. And nothing's happening. And so so we get anxious and we take this and we say this tithing thing just doesn't work. Just doesn't work. And we get frustrated, but in in, in essence what we've done is we've made our worries big and our God small. And what God wants is God should be big and let our worries be small. And I just encourage you to to look at your prayer life like that. Understand how big God is. In fact, I'll I'll give you action steps of effective prayer. You might want to write this down. Do what you can do. Give God what you can't do, trust God no matter what. Do what you can do, give God what you can't do, and trust God no matter what. And I just want to give you a couple examples because I, 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 I'm, I'm, I learned from by examples. So suppose you're enrolled in a course this fall semester at a local college. And you're facing an upcoming exam that represents a good portion of the grade that you need to pass. And you really want to pass this course and you need God's help. So first, what can you do? What Take action steps of faith. You study yourself to show approved unto God. A workman, should, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. Okay, do your part. And next, you might want to pray to God for a little extra piece because you want your amygdala to be under control. And you don't want to be anxious for nothing, including that exam. And you're thankful and you trust in God's spirit of wisdom that he gives you to do well on that test. And now you wait, and you wait for the good result to come on the test. And I'll give you another example as a a church. As a church, it would be good for us to start praying for more people to get saved this year. That's a good prayer. I'm looking out here at a great cloud of witnesses. I'm looking online at a great cloud of witnesses there. And we should take the time, take action steps of faith to call people, Tax people, email them, invite them to church, invite them to Life Care, take some opportunities to 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 do that because when you get people um, here and they hear God's word, whether it's here or Life Care, they're 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 gonna get changed. Let God do His own work, and what what happens is is sometimes we'll we'll be in the grocery store shopping, and you know it's real easy now because we, we we got our masks on and, and we'll. We'll just kind of avoid you know, we'll avoid someone. We we almost look like the we almost look like the 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 priest that went by the Samaritan that was injured. Okay? And God wants a new boldness. Don't never be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Okay? If you see someone, I, I just encourage you to to invite them to church because because God's gonna supply all our needs and God's gonna build his church. And the gates of hell are not going to prevail. Okay, you got to believe that God is good, God is faithful, and God is true, and He's He's going to supply us with that extra peace because you might be nervous. You might be nervous about being a witness. It's kind of like being a salesperson. It's hard to make a new call. Okay, but once you do it, it's 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 very rewarding. So, I just want to move on to a to a story, and. The Gospel of Mark, um, chapter 4. It's commonly referred to the story of Jesus calms the storm. And I just want to read, starting in verse 36, where it says, Now when they had left the multitudes, they took him along in a boat, as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep, on his pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. You know, I want you to notice the storm came and it did not wake Jesus on his pillow. Even Jesus in his humanity was tired. Then we see the the disciples probably frantically saying, teacher, don't you care? I mean, how how often do we, we hear that? Don't you care? Don't you care that I wasn't in church today and no one called me. I mean, it's, it's hard. We'll, we pray for every member here, by the way. But, you know, if we happen not to call you because you missed a Sunday, please forgive us. Please forgive us. And, you know, the, the words the disciples used here were actually more criticism than a call for help. Don't you care? How easy is it for us to complain about our prayers, about God not answering our prayers and coming to our aid rather than making a request and trusting him to answer in his timing? Isn't it interesting that Jesus arose and did not speak to the disciples in their fear-ridden, anxiety-filled mindset they were in? Instead, he rebuked the wind and spoke to the sea And said, peace, be still. He didn't say to the disciples, be still. He didn't say to the storm, be still. He said, peace, be still. And Jesus was there and peace was there that whole time. And I just want to stop a second because I I just sense there's people out there that don't recognize with everything you've been going through that peace was there all the time. So if you bow your head, Father God, I just pray for those facing challenging circumstances to recognize more than ever that your peace was there all the time. You know what they're facing. We thank you that your spirit of peace will surround them and that their faith will rise up and peace will be still again and they will listen and adhere to your still, small voice. We thank you that, we, that in you we live and move and have our being and we have your peace and that peace will fill them totally behind, beyond their understanding, and they will get to know you even more as they listen to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are the ones that allow peace that is given given to us through God, through his Holy Spirit, to get disturbed and out of control. It's not God. We, 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 We cause that. And you need to notice that the storm was out of control. Their fears were out of control. But Jesus was never out of control. And, you know, the the world thinks that peace is the absence of challenging circumstances, but it isn't. You know, peace is the presence of Christ himself. Peace is knowing that God is in control. I, I, I like what it says in Colossians 3.15 where it says, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. We have the choice to allow peace to rule in our lives. And I just want to go back to Philippians chapter 4 a little bit. Uh, the Apostle Paul, through Holy Spirit, moves us from not being anxious to Pray about everything with thanksgiving, and it leads to peace. It's a nice flowchart there. I like that. Once peace happens, we continue into verse 8, and it's time to talk about our thinking and our positive thoughts. Okay? So I just want to read. The, it's, a, it's a continuation thing that Paul's doing here. He says in verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about these things you know when you when you read this when you think about these things it's going to renew your mind okay these these negative mindsets that we struggle with, if you think about these things, it's gonna renew your mind. So let let's let's take each one. And I just want to comment on a few of them, or actually all of them. Think on things that are true. God is always truthful and he never lies. If he says, I will never leave you, then we know he, we are never alone. If he says, I will make all things work together for your good, then we can take comfort in our trials and tribulations. The power of God in our faith walk is reflected when we think about the truthfulness of God. Think about things that are noble. A noble mind is open to exploring God's word rather than clinging to man's traditions. Believers who think noble thoughts tend to resist the urge of present Prejudging, thinking about others the power of god generates an openness and an approachable attitude about god's word think about things that are right we live in a world where the line between right and wrong is continually blurred the word of god never backtracks on what is right meditating on god's word on a regular basis equips a believer to live righteously the power of God is most evidence in believers who stand for what is right even in the midst of adversity. Think about things that are pure. Christians can practice discipline of keeping their hearts and minds pure by refusing to entertain uncleanliness. The power of God is revealed through the lips of pure heart that brings encouragement, exhortation, rebuke, and reproof to others in gentleness. Think on things that are lovely. Sometimes we are assailed by darkness. Pleasant memories of faithfulness of God encourage us to focus on the beauty of what life has to offer, even in the midst of trials. The power of God prompts us to offer praises and thankfulness. Think on things that are admirable. We can center our thoughts to feast on the goodness of God. The power of God opens our minds to the great sacrifice and love that leads us to eternal life. Think on things that are excellent. To focus on excellent of grace can captivate our minds and release them from the perils of negative thinking. Grace gives us strength to move forward when we want to give up. The power of God activates our faith to think on an endless possibility of grace through Christ Jesus. Think about things that are praiseworthy. There is nothing more worthy of praise than that of our Lord Jesus Christ. He took the burden of our sins so that we can live free. Reflecting on the goodness of God always results in praise in his name. The power of God releases us from the depths of despair when we give ourselves over to thoughts of praise. So I'm asking you to think about these things, and I do realize that it's difficult to do that because we, we live in a world where there's a lot of darkness that creeps up everywhere and it rocks our boat. But as a Christian, we just got to stay our course. Always go back to the word of God to get settled. Okay? If, you're, if you feel like your boat is rocking, you, you need to, you need to go back to God's word and meditate on some of these things. And we need God's grace to move forward. You know, God's word is a lamp under our feet and a light under our path. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like when I'm moving forward, I, I feel like I'm being, you know, there's times in my life where I feel like I'm being resisted by the wind or, you know, somebody put an incline that I didn't realize. And the wind sometimes blows in our face and we get tired out you know, we may start to get a a negative attitude and set aside our positive thoughts because, you know, we're upset about the wind. And the world today puts us in a lot of uncomfortable situations. But let me ask you something. Are you more concerned about the discomfort that we're dealing with, like wearing a mask, or are we more concerned about the end result you know, I need to I need to read what the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 starting with verse 7. It says, "We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed; yet we we are perplexed, but not in despair; persecuted, but not forsaken; struck down, but not destroyed." You know, Paul more than anybody in the Bible faced discomfort and negativity but he never lost heart. Paul knew that God works through the weak and the powerless so that it is clear that the power comes from God. And he reminds of this if we continue in 2 Corinthians verse 4, verse 16, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, Even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light afflictions, which is for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You know, Paul Paul saw the difficulty that he was going through as an opportunity to mature his faith. You know, his outward man may be perishing, but... We need to make sure our inward man is renewing day by day. You know, keeping, keeping a positive faith and focused on the promises of God is what will cause things to change. And I, I'm so blessed at the attitude that Paul had. Paul had a great attitude. You know, he, he faced a lot of things, and he called them light afflictions. To us, they'd be monumental. And yet, I, I was reading how, how these afflictions can actually benefit us. And I'll read you a couple. They remind us of Christ's suffering for us. They keep us from going into pride. They cause us to look beyond this brief life, which is a vapor, and onto the, the, earth, the, the life ahead of us. They give us an opportunity to prove our faith to others. When we overcome stuff, we, we are such a testimony to others. They give God the opportunity to demonstrate his power through us and realize that his grace is sufficient. You know, um, attitude is the X factor in a Christian's life to put God and others first. Attitude is a choice. And I just wanted to read, this is from Pastor Chuck Swindoll, and it's something that I have hanging in my wall in in my office that I read quite frequently because our attitudes need to be adjusted every now and then. So it says this, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change the past, We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. But the only thing I can do is play on the one string we have, and that is attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of attitude. You know, are, are you know, are we looking at God through our circumstances we are facing? Or are we looking at our circumstances, knowing that we are guided each every step of the way by a good God? Are we letting peace guard our heart and guard our mind? You know, sometimes you got to ask yourself the question: What are you listening to? What are you hearing? You know, there's there's things on. The TV, the internet, the social media that are polluting and corrupting our focus on positive thoughts that we need to be in with peace. Some of us need to take action steps to clean up what we're hearing, what we're seeing. You know, think about Jesus. Jesus even had to do that in his day. Jesus got a way to focus on positive thoughts that he would receive from his father. He often sought after a positive environment to do his greatest miracles. He would clear the room with just a few select, faithful disciples and create a positive environment that was ripe for a miracle. Jesus was obedient to his father. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Sacrifice is saying no to us. Might be saying no to your time, no to your talents, or even food if you're fasting. Obedience is saying yes to God. Obedience is faith in what God said. It's about putting God first in our lives with all things. You know, when we put God first, he blesses the rest, and he adds more on top of that. At, at some point, we need to cast down these negative thoughts that enter our mind. Don't dwell on negative thoughts. For, for some of us, you've got to have this. You need to change the scenery of your mind. You really need to to make it a habit more of dwelling on God and his word. I, I, I love what it says In Psalm 112, it says, verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord, blessed is a man who fears the Lord, who who delights greatly in his commandments. You know, when we delight in his commandments, we just love what the word of God says, and we're going to obey it. Case closed. You know, we can't get into a debate with God on what it says in his word. And we need to set up a healthy environment in our mind to produce fruits of positivity. You know, if you catch yourself criticizing yourself and others, then stop. Say something positive about you or them using God's word. If you woke up this morning and you looked in a mirror and you started looking at your flaws, stop. Each one of you is made in the image of God. God made you. He designs masterpieces we can't be so critical of this little thing or that little thing. And many people, that's what they deal with every day. And yet, and yet God wants to, God, I'm made in your image. I'm your vessel. Use me today. I wanna to obey your word. And in 2 Corinthians, it says, verse 10, or chapter 10, verse five, it says, we need to cast down imaginations and everything that exalts itself about the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. Take that negative thought and put it into captivity. You know, um, Jesus is our Redeemer. The Bible's definition of a Redeemer is one charged with the duty of restoring the rights of another and avenging his wrongs. You know, we were all born into a world full of sin, and we're all in the need of a Savior to redeem us and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. We all need a Savior. You know, when I, when I was young and a teenager, I, I would go to church with, with my family, and it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do. And I was reminded as I, as I read something in, that David wrote in the book of Psalms in chapter 118, verse 28, it says, You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. There came a point in my life where I had to Come to a revelation that he's my God. Because, because growing up, and often people go to church and 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 it's great, it's my mother's God. Or I I had a, a, a Pastor Michener, that I go I would go to Bible study with him, and it was Pastor Michener's God. But there came a time in my life where I had to understand that he's my God. And We all need that in our lives. And it got me thinking, what do you call God? Stop and think about that. What do you call him? You know, what you call someone reflects how well you know them. You know, growing up, we we have nicknames or something like that. But you know, we we were we were close to those ones. We had nicknames to. But with God, it's personal. It's 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 personal because because if if you don't when when somebody asks you what do you call God, if you don't say He's my strength, He's my hope, He's my future. God is love. God is hope. God is faithful. God is peace. And you may be sitting here being encouraged by me talking about peace and your life might be in pieces. You know, if you if if when when somebody says that, I the first thing that comes to mind is, if you say that, is your foundation is cracking and it's causing shifting in your life. You're not on a firm foundation. You know, and, and, and I just want to encourage you right now to, to, to make God your foundation. Make God your chief corner, cornerstone. The rock on which, make God the rock on which you stand because all other ground is sinking sand. You know, the, the, I'm, I, I'm just, it, it keeps coming to my mind about how as, as, as Christians, we gotta continue to invite people to church. We need to invite people to life care. We need to invite people to prayer services. We need to invite people to get connected with God because time is growing short. You gotta recognize that in your spirit, that time is going short. We all have loved ones that we want to join together in heaven, but we need to take the action steps just like we need to take the action steps with our prayer life. We need to start inviting and encouraging people to make them my God. And if this is you, can you join me in this prayer? You might need to make God your God. dear God thank you for sending your son to come to earth to live this life I could not live to be an example I could not achieve and be a sacrifice for my sins Lord please forgive me of my sins Jesus, I believe in you. I ask you to be Lord of my life, and I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's great. If you have shared this prayer for the first time, can you please let one of the ushers know on your way out? For our online viewers, could you take the time to go to the website? at reslifeny.org and scroll down a little way to see the prayer request form. Just fill that out and let us know that you prayed to be saved today and the church will follow up with you. And if everyone could stand, I just want to close in prayer. Lord, I just pray that you will seal this word in our hearts. I thank you for loading Your children today, daily, with their benefits, so that they can do exceedingly above and beyond all you could ask or think of. You are a God of blessing that desires to pour more into our lives each and every day. Let us be thankful and grateful for all you do and be ready to share with others as you guide our steps, direct our steps. And we just thank you for the faithfulness that you have shown us, Father God. We thank you for. You just starting a good thing in us that you will be just faithful to complete it. And we just thank you that you continue to draw other people into the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day.